Hi, all. Thanks so much for joining Speaking on Founders Mission. I'm Stephanie Fields, and today I'm joined by Michael Don Ham, who is the president of Pure 365 and the Wild Orchard Tea Company. Thanks so much for being here today, Michael. Thanks, Stephanie. Thanks for having me on. I'm so excited to have this recorded conversation because we've been chatting a little bit about what you've been doing. And so you have a company that focuses on home safety through clean air, clean um, water, all those different levels of things that you can monitor and the importance of that. And then through the work of your tea company. So tell us, what are some of the most important things that people don't know about their home or that, you know, they might be living in and not realize is unsafe? People are very conscious of uh, how do I make my home as healthy as possible? So we call it the healthy home movement, wellness technology within the home. And the way that I like to explain it simply is your car, when you go into your car, you have all these gauges. It says when you need to fill up your gas, when you have a, uh, to get your oil changed, uh, anything that's going wrong with the car, it notifies you. But in the home, when it comes to air quality or water quality, we may think we're okay because we don't really see all of the pollutants, chemicals in the air that we're actually breathing in, 15,000 liters a day, more than food, more than the water that we consume. Uh, it's like equivalent to about 40 pounds of air a day. So if you think about the compounding effect, if you're breathing in that amount of air every day and you are actually breathing in pollutants, chemicals, all these sorts of things that you don't see, it's gonna have a impact on your life longevity. And if COVID's taught us anything, we want to prevent that as much as possible. So what we, we try to do is we try to make the invisible visible using monitors, using sensors, just like in a car, and it'll all be on an app for you or any homeowner to say, get an alert and say, oh, you should open your window. You should turn on your vent hood because the cooking, the VOCs, the chemicals from your cooking has just shot up 600% and you're breathing it in, right? And so all of these things aim to protect people within the home, give them the insight to be able to properly manage the healthiest home possible for their families. And you were saying that there have been some pretty striking changes over the last, in some cases, a few decades, in some cases, hundreds of years. One of them was talking about, we talked about the radon level because I was telling you in my house, I, we had high radon levels and had to have an active system installed, which I have not monitored beyond watching the levels. But that's something that a lot of people do have to deal with. Right. So when it comes to indoor air quality, it's really what we call the core four areas. So you want to have filtration. Uh, anything outside the pollution is going to make it way it make its way indoors. It's just the it's just the it's just the fact <laughs> that's just what happens, right? Um, so we want to have a, a at least something called a MERV 13 filtration system that will reduce as much of those particulates as possible. It's really the smallest particles we breathe in. They go into our bloodstream. They inflame the body. It's a it's a it's a it's a immune response. So it inflames the body and it allows. Um, it doesn't allow our cellular process to function normally over time. So we want to reduce as much of the pollution we're breathing in. 
Second thing out of the core four is ventilation. You want to have fresh air coming in. If everything is closed off tight and we're in the house, CO2 levels are going to start going up. When they go above 800, scientists say it has a cognitive impact. So we don't want that type of effect when we're working, living, studying from home. We want to be at our optimal states, uh, our optimal cognitive state. So we want to get the PPM levels below 800. So if we have monitors and it starts to go up above that, then it can alert the damper to open and the fresh air to be pulled in by the ventilation system. And it'll keep those levels down. So that's part of the automated healthy home system. The third part of the core four is humidity control. Scientists, especially uh, Harvard and MIT have done extensive studies. And if you wanna study it, go to 40, the number 40 to 60 rh.com. RH is relative humidity. You'll see all of the scientific studies there. And they found that the optimal humidity, uh, uh, relative humidity percentages for human health is 40 to 60. When we go below 40, what happens is it dries out our mucous membranes in our nose. Uh, and when it's dried up, it, it's, um, it debilitates the immune system's ability to ward off viruses that we breathe in. So even during COVID, they showed that any areas where the humidity level was below 40, the death rate and the infection rate was much higher than when it was between 40 and 60. That's fascinating, right? But it's all based on science. And then if you go above 60, you're creating an environment that's more susceptible to mold, fungi, all of these things that can um, detrimentally impact our health as well. So keeping humidity levels between 40 and 60 are essential for our health. But how many people are actually looking at it and let alone being able to have a system, a dehumidification system or a humidifier system and to keep it within that range. The majority of people I know have no clue how to do it, right? So that's where we're taking the science, we're taking all of the best hardware and uh, monitors to be able to automate that process. Just like Stephanie, you would to keep the temperature at 72, you expect it to keep it there. We're creating a system that will keep all of these elements into that optimal zone for human health. And the last of the core four is radon, like you said. Most people test it when they buy the home in a home inspection. And then after that, they just forget about it. But radon fluctuates throughout the year. And if you had it tested when it was at the low end, you may have a false sense of security because it'll keep going up at other times. And it's the leading, second leading cause of lung cancer. So I always tell people, you got to check your radon first and foremost, because you don't want to be exposed to this class A carcinogen without knowing about it. That's going to be like your biggest regret if your kids are growing up breathing in this radon. So I always try to tell people, you gotta get your uh, radon tested over throughout the year. And if it's above a certain level, you gotta put in a, a fan mitigation system just for that peace of mind that your home is not harming your family. So those are the core four of indoor air quality. I feel like you're the male Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> 
Well, there's a reason why that when I saw that movie, that the whole town was poisoned by the water, right? So uh, it's what's happening. We see it all the time: people getting cancer, people getting lung cancer, even healthy Olympic athletes. And they found that when the house they grew up in had high levels of radon. So when you're when it's after the fact, you can't do anything about it. So I'm trying to just tell, we're just trying to educate people. Let's not have any regrets later on, right? Let's just get a check now and let's make sure you're good. It's interesting thinking about it from that Aaron Brockovich perspective, because in that case, the company, you know, it was something that was a process that they were doing and they eventually did realize was poisonous to people and then actively worked to cover up. Now, in a situation like the radon, it's something that, you know, in my house, it was, I don't know if my house was actually tested for radon because it was a new construction home. And I don't know what the procedures are for that. So they just recommended that we tested it within the first year. And we did. And of course it was high. Um, it's on very solid rock. And in those situations, it's nothing that anybody really could have done to my knowledge to prevent it. And so because of that, and there's no negligence involved, I think it's easier for people to just be like, oh, you know, it's natural. It's just something that happens with houses. Can it really be that bad? But you're saying that it's the second leading cause to lung cancer, which is unbelievable. I mean, do people know that? Because I sure as heck didn't until you told me. Uh, 99% of the people I talk to have no idea. That's why it's so important to let them know. 21, 22,000 people die every year from radon. And it's 100% avoidable if, you, if we just get the measurements done. And if the levels are above a certain amount to get that fan installed, it's not expensive. $1,000 to $1,500 to get a radon mitigation system installed. At what point does that become that you've been sustaining this ongoing exposure to it that it becomes a problem and you actually I, obviously you can't say when people develop cancer but is it like okay you've been here for a year it's it's kind of okay are you five years now that's like the point of you're in big trouble what's the the tipping point there so the uh, radon levels in the u.s they're measured by picocuries per liter so both the epa and the who have an action level so one of them is 2.7, the other one is four. I typically go with the lower one because lower is better. The outside radon average levels are 0.4. So I have a radon mitigation system. I track it every day. My averages are at 0.5. So I'm very happy with that. If you go, I typically tell people, if you go over one, 1.5, then if you don't have a radon fan system, you wanna get one in there. Just just for that ultimate safety. But the action levels are 2.7 and 4 for people to know. You were also saying that over the last 30 years, the nutrition nutrient density of foods has gone down about 50%, which is shocking. And it's because of the farming practices and the changes in that. So you focus on regenerative tea, correct? And other ways to help. How in the world... Does that happen? How does that happen so fast? That was just one particular study. So uh, other studies I've seen, it can fluctuate uh, between different levels. But just to give everyone a 30,000 foot view, uh, the population has surged in the last uh, 100 years, right? It, it was pretty 
uh, streamlined for thousands of years. And then after the Industrial Revolution, it's just started to creep up. We're at about 8 billion right now. So what happens when the population just explodes like that? Everyone has to eat. So the shift of farming went from uh, normal farming practices using biodynamic uh, animals, compost, natural compost, soil maintains its um, microbiome, it's healthy. So the crops are healthy, very nutrient dense. But when farming shifted to conventional farming where the you know, pesticides uh, were, uh, you know, uh, the advent of pesticides, herbicides to keep the weeds down, allow farmers to create more crops, uh, focus on volume production, over tilling, then what happens is CO2 goes, escapes into the air instead of being sequestered into the ground. Because of all these things, our foods are laced with chemicals. There's less nutrient density because of the way that farming is done. So the original way of farming, which is we call regenerative today, the microbiome is so healthy that it allows for the pulling of nutrients from the soil into the crop. And so when you, uh, when you find a farm that does it regeneratively, you know that you're getting maximum nutrient density. So I advise people all the time, when you go to the grocery, not even organic. Organic is a starting point because it's void of all these chemicals and herbicides and uh, antibiotics, which you don't want to bring into your body, but you want to take it the next step further. Where was this farm? Was it done regeneratively with the focus on the health of the soil, the microbiome of the soil? Then you know that it's going to uh, have the maximum nutrients in there for to sustain your health. And one last thing I'll mention is there's a huge movement to, towards regenerative because farmers are realizing that they can actually make more profit than doing it the conventional way. It's also more beneficial for human health. It's also more beneficial for planetary health because the carbon will be uh, stored into the ground better through regenerative agriculture. And then they're making more profit. So there's this huge uptake in farmers converting to regenerative, which is great for us. And so now there's a certification called ROC, Regenerative Organic Certification. And when you start to see these labels, you know that's the one you want to get because you're going to be, it's going to be the cleanest, healthiest food for you. That is so amazing. I didn't know that there was a new certification, but I definitely like that. And you sort of answered it with the name of the certification. I was going to ask you if all regenerative farming produce is organic. Is it organic by default? It is because the focus is on the soil. And if you put pesticides, chemicals in the soil, it's not for the health of the soil. So by definition, regenerative agriculture really focuses on clean, making the soil as healthy as possible. That is so cool. I'm learning so much today. Something else you said that was shocking to me was that the cancer rates, was it 200 years ago, were just 0.5, and now they're 35 to 40%. What in the world contributes to that skyrocketing? If, if we wanted to go into all the details, it would take hours and days. So once again, a 30,000 uh, foot view. So 200 years ago, there was a study in Boston. They, they did a study, and the cancer rates were at 0.5. 
So the chances are, if you ask one of your friends, do you know anyone that has cancer? Probably you'd get a lot of no's. But today you ask somebody, do you know anyone without cancer? The, the chances more often than not that you'll get a yes. And that's sad, right? Because cancer shortens lives, takes away loved ones, and the loved ones don't get to see their grandchildren, their children grow up. It's the saddest thing. And we know from the past year, right? All that we've seen. And so we want to like stop that sadness, right? And so what's happened is from 200 years ago, processed oh, sugars were introduced. Then saturated fats were introduced about 150 years ago. And then about 120 years ago, refined flours were introduced. So it all goes back to mass production to feed the growing population less focused on quality nutrient-dense foods. And so the, the, there's something called a SAD diet, the standard American diet. So fast food, highly processed food. They did a study on the American diet. The average American diet consists of 67% of processed, highly processed foods. It means that we're feeding ourselves poisons and chemicals. And so that, to me is the biggest driver of the cancer rate going from 0.5 to like 35 to 40%. And the other factors are the polluted air that we breathe and the uh, tainted uh, uh, laced water that we drink laced with chemicals, with microplastics, with PFAS. Food, water, and air are to me the three biggest drivers of the cancer rates going from 0.5 to 35%. This is not good news. <laughs> it's the, it really is. You know, I'm uh, not laughing out of humor, but out of disbelief. Like it's just mind blowing that things like that seem so simple and are really unavoidable. You're just breathing. You're just going about your life. You're hopefully drinking water. You're eating food, and even when you're trying to do the right things, it's just not the right thing. You know, I've had so much experience, not with myself, but, you know, um, four immediate family members have had cancer. Two of them died and thankfully two of them are alive and well, but it's unbelievable. And the interesting thing is the two that are thankfully alive and well and thriving had no traditional risk factors. They weren't smokers. They don't drink. They, you know, exercise, they eat, normal food, you know, not, you know, normal, how we typically do, but no risk factors, you know, it's not like a family history of this. And one of them is a pretty rare cancer. And it's like, where did this come from? But talking to you, it's just more and more clear that it's everything. It's everywhere. And there are so many things that just seem unavoidable. And that can be a little bit overwhelming. Like, where do you start to try to change all this? Well, that's the thing. It can be overwhelming because uh, a person may not have the knowledge yet. But so that's why we try to equip and empower people with the knowledge first. What, uh, how can you protect your family? I mean, you can go outside and get in a car accident and you can die, right? So there's no foolproof way. This you is very depressing. <laughs> yeah. But 
what you can do is what's in your control. You can do the best possible to protect yourself and your family. And it's really the food you eat, the air you breathe, and the, and the water you drink are, are the are great places to start because um, that's those are some of the major proponents of what's uh, impacting our health. And so when it comes to, um, when I talk about nutrients, it's like the 80-20 principle. You can't preach, you can't tell anyone, cut off all the highly processed, like even me, I enjoy French fries once in a while or a burger, right? You cannot preach to people, but you can encourage people to say, hey, at least 80% of your food, try to make sure it's nutrient dense, organic, 20%, you know, splurge, do what makes you happy. And then over time, try to inch that closer to 81, 82, 83, right? So it's more like a lifestyle um, advice. Like if you really want, if your vision is to live healthy to 80, 90, 100 years old, then this is how you do it. And you try to make it achievable and um, maintainable. So those are things that I usually uh, try to tell people. Try start with like 70, 80% and just build it a little from there. How did this ever become a passion of yours? Because it's something that, again, it's all around us, but where in the world did you ever just think, oh my gosh, this is huge. This is really important. And I can find a way to help solve this and be part of the solution. My, my nature was kinesiology. I was always in, in, interested in movement, well, sports really, and its effect on health. And I minored in nutrition. So early on, I kind of knew the impact of what we ate. And then about 20 years ago, you know, I had a lot of great mentors, a lot of great colleagues. And I started to live more like an organic lifestyle, more cognizant of the food. And even now, I'm probably like 80, 20. I probably eat 80 organic. 20, it's a little, right? So I try to maintain that lifestyle. Uh, but my mom passed away uh, much too early from cancer. And so it's very painful. Like I, a lot of times my, she didn't see my kid grow up. She didn't see a lot of her nieces and nephews and grandchildren grow up. And so, uh, you know, it's a sad life event. And, uh, you know, I know what's causing these bad things. So I feel it like it's a duty to try to help people understand and help them put the solutions in place that will prevent these types of things from happening in their lives. What is your hope for the future, knowing that all of these solutions do exist and they can be changed? Are you hopeful for what's coming? Oh, very much so. I mean, when I speak to people and I see a light bulb turn on and I see people like focusing more on their health and uh, it's, it's what really energizes me and my colleagues who are doing all this work. We're really here to make a difference and improve people's lives. So when that happens and you see a light turned on, that's what gives the energy every day to like keep pushing and, and trying to keep pushing ourselves to improve ourselves to make, in the end, it's about making an impact on people's lives, whether it's one person, hundred people, a thousand people or a million people. Um, we want to get to the million, but we got to start with one. Right? What's it going to look like for success for you? How do you know that whenever you're retired and you're thinking back on what you've done, how do you know that what you've done really made an impact? What's going to, what is that thing that you're like, I have to get to this. I have to know this. Uh, for me, it's about like people really thinking about their lives, engaging in a lifestyle that benefits their whole family. 
and be connecting. Obviously, we can't connect with every single person we come across over a long period of time, but there will be great uh, friendships established, relationships established. And then to be able to see someone live healthy for a long time, that's what would give me the ultimate uh, pleasure and satisfaction of all the energy and effort it takes to be a part of this type of work. Thank you so much for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I learned so much and I feel like I have a lot of work to do <laughs> from everything. All you aspects all of my life can be transformed. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Stephanie. It's been an absolute pleasure. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And thank you all for watching. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.